Hello and welcome to the Veer Vulnerabilis Fear podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. And I'm Albert Imperato. Where we help men communicate and build empathy. Season two of the Veer Vulnerabilis Fear podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Standard and Strange, where the clothes and the people are anything but ordinary, and the motto is own fewer, better things. All right, Albert, we have the uh, second official roundtable here and the uh, originator, uh, Chris Reese, along with us here. So I'm really excited to, uh, to get this one going on today. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, Michael Chernow's episode. And um, yeah, we have the, the idea man himself, but I know you had a couple things you wanted to uh, start this episode off with here. So let me let you do it here, Albert. Well, we'll reintroduce our guests uh, in yeah. a moment. Uh, just um, and a couple other things I just want to mention, just so you'll remind me to get to them. Uh, we'll talk about yeah, Michael, our last guest, and any of the previous guests. If there's anything that particularly lingered, I've been hearing like so many people call me and or DM me and talk about their life quakes. So clearly, clearly yeah. that uh, concept really resonated and stuck with people. We have a note from one of our listeners who wanted to ask you guys about about uh, style and style on a budget. So that's kind of, it's a form of vulnerability to not want to uh, blow a hole in your wallet. And then we've got um, just a personal thing. I just wanted to give a shout out to someone's having a hard time. And you know, you guys will tell me what you think we could, we could do beyond just men. We're not going to mention his name, but we'll just mention, tell, tell him we're thinking of him. And then we'll talk about that, the article in the New York times uh, uh, Lori Santos, the pro- positive psychologist and professor from Yale. Um, she had an interesting article that I passed around you guys, and I hope you took notes because you'll be tested. Um, okay, so Adam, do you want to officially introduce our guest, or do you want do you want me to just do it quick, or you don't have to read anything longer? Yeah, yeah. Um, today on our panel, we have uh, Neil from Standard and Strange returning. We also have uh, Evan returning as well. And today's uh, new panelist, we have Chris Reese, um, who talked about this with Albert and really gave us this, um, you know, kind of a platform and uh, style of podcast. So we're really excited to have Chris on and join the panel and the roundtable and uh, talk about the shows in season two. Yeah, we had two, uh, two very strong recurrent uh, feedbacks. Um, to the show in general. Um, one was pretty prevalent that we needed uh, more women's voices, which was really interesting because everybody had their own idea of how to incorporate women's voices. And I wrote to some women, they were like, as long as my husband or boyfriend listens to the show, that's fine by me because he needs he needs someone to talk to him. It was very <laughs> interesting, the feedback I got. Um, and um, the other uh, feedback was, just trying to keep the show, we're obviously not a live show or a call-in show, but to keep the show as interactive uh, as possible. Um, and Chris uh, Reese um, is Mr. Weese is his Instagram uh, uh, handle. He wrote to me and um, I actually think he purchased one of the pendants. So he's, he's a vulnerable dude. We, that's like you, you're in the club when you get the pendant. Mm-hmm. He um, wrote to me and just said, Albert, you really should have more feedback on the shows. And plus, the, you know, it's hard to digest uh, a new show per week. Uh, Chris uh, explained a little bit uh, earlier that, you know, just he's busy. He's a, a teacher and he's a dad and, and, and just time is, is tight. So this is, I, I really like the new pace. Um, so anyway, Chris, we, I just really wanted to have him here to thank him, welcome him, get, you know, get him to, to give us um, his ideas and feedback today. So that, that's, that's why he's in the group tonight. And Evan and, and, uh, and uh, Neil, we're glad to have them back. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I um, always like seeing uh, Niels and Evan face coming up here. I'm surprised uh, how this whole, you know, journey kind of came into it. And here we are hanging out again, doing it, you know, <laughs> third time in. So uh, it's pretty cool co- having it come back. And um, poor Neil, you know, did he disappear on us or did I he think so? I think, I think he'll be back. He was uh, coming in and out. He was having some audio <laughs> issues, but we'll let him pop in. We all know he, Neil's a character. He's already got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, just um, really brief, uh, briefly, um, I was in the city this weekend nice. in New York City. It's my, only my third time in six months. And uh, it was the little bits of signs of life. And uh, that was kind of encouraging. It's still, you know, when it gets colder and people are going to have to find out how to enjoy drinks out on the sidewalk in the snow, that's going to be very interesting to watch. Um, but there was a little bit of spirit and a little bit of uh, energy on the street. And that was that was encouraging. Long way to go. Um, Evan, what's going on out, out by you? The fires are not in the news uh, r- right now. And I'm wondering, is it all gone or is it still happening? We're not well, hearing about it. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's, it's chilled out a little bit. It's not as big of a deal. Um, unfortunately, especially in Oregon, which is just south of where I am, you know, not too far, three to four hours and a little bit further down south. It kind of got to a point where it reached uh, maximum destruction and then fizzled out. Uh, I know there was a decent number of communities that were, you know, heavily impacted by it. Um, up here, it's it's definitely fizzled, uh, which is pretty standard. You know, depending on the year, they're more intense or less intense. But there's always, you know, at least one or two that happen on the east side of the state. Uh, and then, you know, fortunately, we've got a very experienced. Um, congregate of firefighters that you know do a really good job and know what they're doing and so they're able to you know take care of them pretty quickly um and then on our side it uh really is starting to feel like fall so the rain is coming in hot and heavy and you know there's not really a fire issue where i am that's for sure because it's uh it's dumping right now okay well the area needed it so we hope it spreads as far as far and wide as possible yeah so it's 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 not a bad thing i mean Looking out my window, it's, it's, you know, depressing in a way, but also, you know, the environment needs it. So I'm okay with it. Well, that probably has something to do with sparking the decision to wear the Kill the Kardashians t-shirt, unless there's something yeah, else you, you want know, to tell us. It's my own personal opinions that, you know, I share with a lot of other folk out there. But Well, thank you for taking a firm stance on a very important issue. I'll I'll continue to wear one of my favorite t-shirts each episode just so you guys have something to talk about. Okay, that's awesome. Chris is down in in, uh, Tallahassee, Florida. Works part-time at a Red Wings store. So if you want to know about Red Wings, please send him a a message. Uh, Chris, you guys have no natural disasters in Tallahassee besides Florida, right? What's Oh, ouch, sorry. Um, that's okay. Tell us what do you what have you been dealing with? Have you been dealing with uh, hurricanes, floods? What what is going on? Uh, we've been lucky so far this hurricane season that uh, most everything has tracked away from where we are. Um, it's crazy that we're um, as far deep into the Greek alphabet with name storms this year as we are. Yeah, we're back right um, in round two. You're in the deltas and stuff, right? Right. Yeah. So. Um, Hopefully that will kind of slow down here in a little bit. Um, so, but yeah, no, no major natural disasters. Let's. I should be careful what I say on here tonight because if I put my foot in my mouth, it'll be Florida man says blah blah blah. <laughs> you know, I have to be, always have to be cautious about that. It always starts with that. 
Um, can we start uh, with talking about uh, the previous episode? Let's talk about Michael Chernow. I listened to it a second time. The first time I was listening, I was actually doing it with Adam. I don't mean <laughs> my, that sounded weird. Uh, we, it was when we recorded it, when we recorded the episode. And, and uh, I mean, I was, I was already taking a lot of notes. And I, I just found the whole story and just the incredible determination that he had. Uh, just it really stuck with me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, anybody want to jump in first and kind of tell us what they took from it? There was a lot. There was a lot to unpack. There was a lot that I could re- really relate to um, personally, and then also just my uh, my upbringing and my you know knowing what in particular my dad went through uh, as as a kid. He Michael's experience in a way you know, it was similar to what my dad went through when he was a kid. He grew up in a home where his father was um, abusive. He wasn't the most positive individual. His kind of mom was kind of his rock, if you will, in terms of family life. Um, And he came out of it on the other end in you know the uh, the positive way of the kind of the two roads that you could take in growing up in a situation like that where you're kind of coming from a traumatic situation you know and he had an older brother that went down the the way that Michael originally started with you know drugs and alcohol and he never got out of it and my dad went down the opposite road of um, never getting into that and basically coming out of that experience with the frame of mind of um, I'm going to be the exact opposite of my father in every single possible way, which it kind of seems like from the episode, Michael, without saying it is what he's doing with, you know, his family life. Uh, so that was definitely something that I could relate to. It feels like I'm like one step ahead of him in generations in terms of his family and my family. And I think, his kids will reap the benefits that I personally have reaped from growing up with a dad that was in that situation, but decided to take the better path and not be like his father. And that really, you know, resonated with me because he talked a lot about everything being a choice. And that was a choice that he made was to choose to be different rather than choosing to do what he knew and what was quote unquote, normal for him growing up in that kind of situation. And my dad made the same decision when he was, you know, left home at 17 or whenever he left home. And that choice was, I'm going to do the opposite because I know the opposite is the actual right path to be on. So that was one of the, one of the big things that I, you know, gleaned from the episode and was, you know, pretty inspired to hear that. Listening to Michael and talking about all that drive that he has, which was amazing to hear. You know, part of that I think is reactionary. And I think that's what you're getting at, Evan. Reactionary to what he had experienced. It sounds like your dad had the same, like, when you were saying, if you want something, just do it. Like, Michael was saying the same thing. Like, say it and do it, you know. Um, so, it'll be interesting to, you know, find out if his kids have a similar experience to what you have in relating one step further away from that, like you said. Yeah. And I I think you can, there's a lot of different means where that you can find a motivation from and depending on your personality, your, your way of looking at things is going to be variant. 
but his personality is was one that I think he really took almost like the the challenge of let's see how much better I can be than my father. And I'm going to apply that to my life in every possible way. And I think my personal story is my dad, you know, took that challenge on in a similar way. And so that was something that was pretty impactful. Yeah. When, when Michael, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. When Michael just said, I am going to be a good father and a good husband. It was like, so willed that there was like this steel uh, will that he was expressing. And it was like, once he said it, you had the feeling that's it. He said it and he's going to commit to it. And um, that was, that was powerful to hear. And obviously it's also, it was really, for me, it was really powerful to just keep hearing over and over again, the idea of not blaming and not accepting blame and taking full responsibility. Like if, if you want to, if you want to cut through this, it's all up to you. You're going to be the person who's going to have to get yourself to where, to where you want to be. And how did that challenge like affect your relationship with your father? I mean, obviously everyone goes through their rough patches, but can you think of like any times or like any parts of, of your relationship that were just like, wow, this really broke down the barriers or like, Hey, you know, this is something I didn't expect from my dad. Um, or anything like that, because like you said, it was like one generation down. So like, you know, I'm just kind of thinking what, probably what you were thinking is like, you know, what, what kind of, you know, were those differences? Yeah. For, for me, I think growing up in a household that he grew up in, he didn't have opportunities to, to do a lot of things that he would have liked to do as a kid and in high school and whatnot. Um, we're a, we were a very athletic family. And so those opportunities um, kind of manifested in athletics for, for us. And my dad wanted so bad for myself and my brother to have every possible opportunity that we could have, uh, never wanted us to be the kids with the beat up shoes at basketball or whatever it is, like always wanted to make sure that we were provided for in that way, uh, because he never had that. And, um, I can't say it always benefited us relationship wise because he, was vicariously living through us in a way because he wanted so badly for us to succeed and take advantage of the opportunity that he was trying to give us that to a certain degree, it it pushed us a little bit beyond what it maybe should have, but that's all he knew, you know, and that's all he was doing the best he possibly could. And, you know, at the time as a, you know, very undeveloped brain, 15 year old kid, you don't really understand that. But looking back on it now as a 30-something-year-old adult with my own family, I can absolutely appreciate what he was doing and, you know, am really grateful for how hard he pushed me and my brother, but in particular me, I can only speak for myself. Um, And he pushed us hard, like, and he really harped on us about, you know, you have to work hard, like, you have, if you want to do something, you know, it's not a, if you believe it, you can achieve it mindset. It's a, if you want to do it, you got to work hard. And that meant where we were, my big passion was when I was a young kid, basketball, that meant when it was 25 degrees outside in Eastern Washington, you got to get out there and shoot and practice. And that's it because somebody else is doing it and they're going to take your spot if you don't. So that was the mindset and yeah, yeah. let somebody else talk. 
<laughs> Neil, Mr. Neil or Mr. Chris, you want to jump in? Yeah, it was, I mean, Michael's story is very impressive. Um, there's just a huge amount of, of intrinsic motivation he has for nearly everything he does and is doing in his life. And his struggles on how he got to that point were really harrowing, really. <laughs> it definitely was inspirational how he was just able to, I guess, just pick him, pick up the pieces of himself and just have that intense drive and that intense focus uh, and to find people along the way that would help him build new habits. That's what I heard in a lot of it was, for him, it was about habits and discipline and how he got to where he is today and what's keeping him there and pushing him forward too. Yeah, I really want to echo on that discipline because, I mean, 10 years of hardcore Muay Thai training is insanity. Uh, the first time I went to a Muay Thai practice, I got my contact punched out of my eye and I was like, okay, let's pump the brakes here. <laughs> like, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. And I went to train at like a kickboxing, like MMA, kind of like uh, all in one school. But like the strict Thai place was like, this is intense. Uh, my buddy was an amateur fighter and like he took me to a practice and I just saw what they did. And I was like, this is really cool. I jumped in the ring. This is not cool. This is not cool at all. <laughs> like this is punches and kicks getting at you. Um, so for me, like when I heard 10 years of like Muay Thai training, like I know how hard they go. And that's, that's really impressive because I kind of took a look at my life and I was like, man, I haven't really put like 10 hard years into a lot. Um, audio recording, maybe like, you know, I definitely got 10 years of that. Um, my enjoyment of denim, but like, there's not too many things I've put a solid 10 years in. See, Michael had been drinking and dr doing drugs for 10 years. Yeah. And in a way, he needed something almost counterbalancing. I have a little pet theory. Like, if you've been in a relationship for seven years, it's going to take you seven years to forget about it. I'm a real believer that there's this, like, symmetry you have to achieve somehow. And that was really clear. I mean, I mean, from what? He said 13 to 23. I mean, that's – wow, that's – that's a lot of time. And relative to his time on earth, it was like, he was just a kid, like more of his life. He was probably uh, wasted and, and, and drunk that I, that completely blew my mind. Um, and just like what Neil said too, just the will, this incredible uh, drive that he had, um, you know, clearly, I mean, he's, he's like pumping so many things like the guy can't stop producing businesses and producing. I just, the image of him, Walking the dogs, I can see this kid with you know all the money and then in between his fingers on one hand and all the dog leashes on the other. I'm like, anyway, I, I felt I saw a definite HBO series in his in his movie, and it could climax at the end with him coming on our our show and revealing his ten years. Are you hearing that HBO? Um, oh yeah. Uh, anybody else want to chime in on Michael? I mean, I it, I, it was fascinating because I will admit, here's my confession. I was completely intimidated by this guy. I saw his feed and I was like, oh my God, I feel like completely unsuccessful. Like I can't, I haven't done any of these things. He's got, he's one picture, he's looking great and stylish. The next picture, he's like ripped beyond anything I've ever seen. And um, I, at first when he liked my photo, I was like, what the hell? Why is this guy liking my photo? And I kind of didn't think I was going to like the dude. And so it was, 
it was really just very pleasurable. He was very, he shared really openly with us. And that was, that was pretty, you know, intense. That was a really quite a story he told. I tried his smile technique when I woke up this morning. Get out of here. I was very skeptical. <laughs> I'll be honest. It worked. Uh, I've been doing it too. Yeah, I made a big difference. It made a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> I made a big difference. Two of you guys did the smile yeah. technique. I'm still impressed. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just tried it out. It's 15 seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I felt a lot better. And then I did it in the shower <laughs> After, twice. Were you soaping yourself at that point? Because sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was just uh, letting the hot water just kind of wake me up. I love, but it gave me the motivation. Okay, can to start I just say up. that's awesome that you like not only listened but you did you you did your homework. That's so beautiful. All right, I'm sure I'm not sure if Michael's listening, but we'll have to we'll have to tell him about that one. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't know if uh, Chris and Evan can uh, you know f- fill me on this one, but uh, when I first wake up, it is not like a oh the sun is shining, things are going. It is like someone's screaming or like I'm getting hit in the head with something. So usually there's a, usually there's a face <laughs> that should not be in my bedroom right here. Um, about three inches away. Yeah. So. so you guys feel me on that. So I've, I've, I've chosen other times to, to do the, the smile. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, no, I'm pretty lucky. My, uh, yeah, I'm pretty lucky. My, I am blessed with a wife that is a champion sleeper and she passed that gene on to my child. So I, I wake up first in our household and I most days get my cup of coffee and I go down and right now there's bike racing. And so I'll watch a bike race for like a half an hour and then the child's up. It's pretty, it's like the most serene part of my day. Where do you find bike? That, sound, that sounds amazing. Where do you amazing. find bike racing yes. to watch? Is that like an EC, ESPN like bike bike it's channel? It's like a special channel called Flow Bikes, and then NBC Sports has like a special package you buy. You got to pay extra money because no one likes it besides weird people like me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, I'm loving that you guys have your your morning uh, techniques enhanced by uh, show. So we've already proven that there's an actual practical value to, to listening to. I'm going to try the smile though. That sounds, I mean, if Neil says, if Neil says it works, it's, I mean, I'm going to try it. So, um, Neil, the official guinea pig of the beer found ability. We're, <laughs> we're going to, uh, talk, uh, move over to this, uh, article in the New York times, which was about self care and the idea of how do, how are people investing in self care during COVID? Um, how do we, you know, manage it? What, what, how does it work for us? How do we not feel like in a fundamental way that it's somewhat selfish uh, at a time like this? Um, I ha- I just pulled a couple of quotes just to get the conversation go. I'll read, I'll read uh, one of them. Um, we assume this is a uh, Lori Santos, who's a, a professor of positive psychology at Yale, right? Uh, in an interview with the New York times. Um, we assume this is her answering a, a question. We assume that self-care looks like a nice bubble bath or even hedonistic pursuits, selfish pursuits. But the data suggests that the right way to treat ourselves would be to do nice things for other people. We actually get more out of being open and more social and more or other oriented than spending money on ourselves. It's a bigger increase in your happiness. Okay, 
Neil, you run a retail shop, so the the idea that you won't get the most pleasure from spending money at your store probably is very alien to you. Uh, no, I'm I'm being funny, of course. I'm just wondering if that particular quote resonated with any of you guys. I mean, I just put an order in at Sedner and Strange like a week ago, and I got quite a bit out of it. So <laughs> hard to say. Did your shirts <laughs> arrive yet? <laughs> oh, God. What what did you? I have to ask Evan. What did you order? What were the shirts? I got uh, the standard and strange T-shirt, the agriculture one. Oh, the apparel nice. is labor tea. Yes, apparel is yeah. labor tea. The warehouse oatmeal tea with the pocket, and then you guys had the indigo Farah, um duck canvas jacket on sale shacket i should say it's a shirt jacket it yeah. was on sale and so i was like yeah i'll take that <laughs> <laughs> i got those three things did, did nice. i actually arrive though oh yeah because we had oh, that yeah. ups i issue. know yeah no it, it was uh it, it came on like wednesday oh good good i'm bad that makes me sleep easier at night yeah no i bet i bet i, I bet they'll all make it eventually so that was a UPS issue? UPS decided they would deliver three days worth of outgoing packages to the post office across the street. Neil had a bit of a life quake this week. This was, <laughs> wouldn't call it a life quake. I would call it a disruptor of my general sanity. <laughs> UPS then stood for unbelievably poor service is what you're telling us. Yeah, I won't. Or you guys with the details, but... <laughs> but he got his shirts. Okay, so there's some, some hope. But the, the idea of self-help as, as caring for others, I will just say I am better and get in, in a better place when I spend more time thinking about other people's issues. I'm amazed. The surest way to get me out of my funk, someone comes in and says they're having trouble, I completely can't think about my, my shit until I listen to somebody else. And it's the absolute number one uh, deflector uh, for me. So anyway, it, I, I related to that comment. I thought that was it. Are people coming to you for advice when, when they do that? Um, yeah, I think sometimes it's advice. Um, sometimes it's just they've had a shitty time and they just want to tell someone that they're having a shitty time. Um, you know, they're just having a moment where they don't, they're con concerned that they feel stuck with their life. Um, I'm, I hate my job. I've been telling you for a year, I, I hate my job. And now I just had a terrible fight with my boss and I, I, I'm so stuck. I don't know what to do. And um, to be honest, it's really hard because, I mean, I cannot wave a magic wand and give them a job. You know, I, I can talk. I can, you know, but the bottom line is you have, you have to believe that um, listening uh, in and of itself is helping. You, you have to believe it because otherwise you know, the, the, you, then you're not going to pay attention and, 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 and uh, extend a helping hand to people because often it, you really can't do anything to alleviate an immediate problem that a person might. You know, One of really the things that having trouble I with. got out of the article, especially that quote that you shared, Albert, is like offering yourself up to be willing to be that listener is a way to take care of yourself, you know, um, offering yourself up to, to be that connection, whether or not you can truly do anything concrete to help that person being a place where they can share that not only helps them, but helps you in turn. I think that's really true. I think that's a really good point. 
And yeah, just kind of just asking like straight up, um, if someone is having an issue, do you want to talk about it or do you want to be distracted from it? I mean, that's huge because a lot of people like, Hey, I have all this on my plate, but I don't want to talk about it. I want to have a good time. You know, let's just hang out. Let's watch a movie. Let's talk about something else. Um, which I think is a cool aspect um, of it because it's not always like this article doesn't always talk about people's problems. It's kind of just offering, you know, a nice social gesture and like starting a conversation. Um, one thing that I recently did um, is that the Panera, like it's in walking distance from my apartment, uh, opened back up for, for dining and stuff. And they're doing that like coffee subscription. So I'm just like, cool, this will get me out of the house. I can walk, grab a tea or something like that. And, uh, you know, maybe chat with someone. And today, like I went up, I, I got a tea. I went to the Rite Aid to pick up some medicine and I just talked to everyone. And I was like, this is weird, but it's also like, it's cool. Like I just, I had a conversation about how much honey I like in my tea and what medications I'm taking in a Rite Aid. Adam, that's, that's a great segue. Uh, another quote from the article. That was perfect. One of the most, uh, this is another quote from Lori Santos. One of the most shocking ones for me is a study looking at how simple interactions with strangers positively affects your well-being, she said, adding that even for introverts, a simple chat with a stranger can make people feel great. Oh, that resonated a lot with me. Totally love that. I've more or less been at home for the last week between my collarbone healing and I came down with a cold slash sinus infection that was brewing, but it's also COVID symptoms. So just to be safe, I went and got a COVID test before I go back to work. And so being cooped up in the house for more than three days, I start to go a little bit stir crazy. And, but just even having, just exchanging a few words with a stranger on the street just does wonders for me. It kind of, I think what it does is it helps me get out of my own sort of shell that I've been creating for myself over the past few days and reminds me that I'm part of a larger world and a larger society and that there's other people out there that aren't me. You know, it makes it a lot less. One of the things in that article that you shared, Albert, that really kind of made me stop and think for a second. Um, it talked about attentional hygiene, like making sure that you're thinking about where your attention is placed. And, and at first I was like, oh, that's cool. And the more I thought about it, I was like, hygiene is really an appropriate way of thinking about that. Hygiene in a physical um, aspect is what you do for yourself that not only helps you, but in turn helps everybody else. Just like you're talking about, Evan, like, you know, putting that attention on yourself for whatever period of time it is, if it's five minutes to start with, or if it's, you know, um, an hour or whatever it is, whatever works for you, then to be able to take care of what you need to do for yourself so that you are in that place where you're better served to interact with others and give that attention to other people. I think that's important because I think like the idea of being selfless is self-care is definitely a thing, but that I think comes as a result of doing what you need to do for yourself to, to get you to that point. I think that's a, a, a later effect of it. Once you get into that practice of doing what you need to do for yourself and taking care of that attentional hygiene, you know, paying attention to yourself and what you need, then you're equipped to do that for other people. One of the uh, techniques that uh, she put in there, um, was the RAIN technique that I, I kind of wrote up a little about. And the acronym stands for 
recognize, accept, investigate, and nurture. Um, and one thing that um, Michael offered up was in his um, interview was the stop smile. And for him, that was smile, transition, observe, and proceed. I think with these two little acronyms, we have uh, a pretty good social landscape because it's definitely, um, you know, a very internal with like the stop smile. Um, but in the rain, um, there's the investigate and nurture. And I think that's pretty cool because if you're saying like you, Neil, like three days, you know, in your apartment, stir crazy. I know that hundred percent. I can't be in my apartment for too long. I just got to go out. I got to open the windows. I just got to go. Um, and that's kind of like the, you know, for me, it's like, Hey, what am I feeling? I'm investigating, you know, I'm feeling trapped. I'm feeling, you know, claustrophobic. I'm feeling closed in, um, you know, and, and what do I need to do to, to nurture that feeling? I need to go outside and I need to talk to someone. I need to call a friend. I need to hop on, you know, Instagram and chat with some people or like FaceTime a buddy. Um, so for me, I think that's some really cool stuff, um, that we got within that article and last episode to really kind of, you know, put yourself in these social social situations and uh, give yourself kind of like a little a little guide. You know, we like checklists. We had the checklist, and now we have the uh, the stop smile, <laughs> and uh, and in this uh, we have the rain. So I really like the investigate and nurture. Um, have any of you guys like you know found inside yourself like you know you're really questioning what you were feeling, and then went out to like investigate it um, at all? Have you ever had that kind of like you know internal experience? I, I definitely have. Uh, it's usually related to situations where, you know, they're negative emotions. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling rage. I'm feeling anger. Um, and it may not be clear why I'm feeling that way. And sitting down and taking a step back and really trying to... It, I just find myself sort of a, retracing my emotional steps in a way. Figure out, like, what's what sort of led me to here and then what in my immediate environment is affecting it. And just really, you know, it's kind of like anything else. The more you understand about a problem, the more you are going to be equipped to be able to do something about it and solve it. Um, but that just made me realize, I don't think I've ever done that for when I was feeling very positive. And I think that could actually be very useful. We have such a big negative bias. I don't think I've ever retraced uh, a positivity or like a, a happiness feeling or, you know, oh, this is very blissful. Cool. Let's figure out why I'm feeling this. No, it's like you just enjoy it because you're having fun and you're enjoying it in the moment. But whenever you're down on the dumps or you're like pissed off, you're just like, okay, let's let's uh, let's play the zero sum game. Let's get down to the very bottom of this and uh, figure out what the hell's going on. Um, so it's kind of, it's interesting playing the, uh, the positive versus negative emotions here. And, um, you know, of course humans have such a huge negativity bias just to keep us out of danger. But I think, uh, a positivity bias in, in this situation would go further in a social and, uh, self-discovery aspect too. I think they would, they would interplay off of each other very well too. The more you understand about what makes you feel positive is going to make you much better equipped to deal with when you're feeling negative to do something about it. Yeah. That, that plays really well into that whole self-care thing too, which 
I'm a big believer that you're not really good to anyone until you're good to yourself. If you're not in a good spot, how are you supposed to be, you know, good for your family or your kids or your colleagues or your friends or whoever, you know? And so you would definitely need to approach it from a, a positive direction as well as trying to figure it out when, you know, shit's hitting the fan. <laughs> Evan, do you think that's more uh, selfish or selfless whenever you take that time for yourself? You know, it's, it's a good question because, you know, my primary hobbies are very personal and individual and selfish in a way, but I think it is also selfless and it goes back to Michael's episode too. I think he practices Muay Thai for selfish reasons because he enjoys it, but I think it also centers him and makes him a better family man and a better father and a better businessman and all of those other things that have to do with his relationships with people because that self-care ultimately, while it's, it looks like it's, Oh, you just do that. Cause that's your hobby or that's because that's what you like to do. And that's like your time. It's like, that's true. But I also do it because when I leave the gym or in my, in my experience, when I get off the bike, I'm a better person and I've got a lot of really awesome hormones and endorphins floating around in my brain and pumping through my body at that point that that makes me a better person for everyone around me. Even if it's the, you know, the grocery store clerk or anyone else, you know, it is absolutely to society's benefit in terms of who interacts with me that I do that thing. <laughs> yeah, so, totally. At, you know, at a at a very ground level, it is selfish, but ultimately, everyone benefits from everyone doing something that you know puts them in a positive state of mind and has them at you know just an ethos that is very positive energy rather than a negative, you know, and if that means taking an hour for yourself or a couple hours for yourself to do a thing each day, then that's what it's got to be. And the world will be a better place because of it. And I've encouraged people, Evan, just to, to tell them if you, I had a, a somebody write, write to me um, that over the weekend who just said they were completely being overwhelmed by work. They felt like they were just being just stripped down, miserable. They had no time to enjoy anything else. And they, they were in retail, by the way, uh, Neil, somebody you might actually know, but we won't say their name. Common feeling, common feeling. And, <laughs> and he had talked himself into a place that I really related to as a small businessman, that place where you're not allowed to ever take a moment off until everything is in order. And, and the truth is everything's never all totally in order. So you could keep working to death, basically. You could just literally not stop. And I kind of like talked him down a little bit. I was like, no, you don't even need two hours for the two-hour bike ride. Start with the five-minute meditation. Start with a five-minute bath. Start with, uh, you know, whatever. Find five. If you can find five, maybe then you'll find ten, and then you'll. And I gave him the advice of of getting up earlier. One of the things that really saved my life, I think, I, the, back in the day when when I had lost my mom and I was going through a really really hard time about eight nine years ago. I just you know made a new routine. I got up an hour. I went to bed an hour earlier and I got up an hour earlier. 
and the, the, that was to rejigger the day so that the better part, the, the part that wasn't already overwhelmed by work and by concerns and emails and everything else, the, that part of the day hadn't started yet. And, and then when I clocked in to do my work, I was like, oh, I wrote for an hour or I read for an hour or I did nothing for an hour, but relax or I did meditation. And that, I cannot believe what that hour did because I would always say, oh, I'll try to end early tonight. And I never ended early. So I would just go to bed completely stressed. But that little, that change uh, uh, really made a huge difference. Getting up earlier, going to bed earlier. And it brings me back to another, you know, to Michael's episode, the habits, the creature of habits. These habits need to be, um, they're, they're very useful. Finding ways, you know, Evan, you've got your habits so down with that bike. Uh, that's just, I mean, you could call it a habit. You can call it, uh, it's your hobby. It's your passion. It functions in many, many different ways in your life. But, but I've rarely heard people say, he said, I know I'm going to say something controversial, but I'm just going to say it. I, you know, taking care of myself comes before taking care of my family. It's like, he just was so blunt to just say, if I don't do this, I am going to be useless to my family, which I thought was that. I mean, what I love hearing Michael talk was that he really was saying exactly from the heart. I mean, my God, when he was talking about when he went on the whole, like people, if you've been together for 10 years, you're having a lot less sex. Uh, you know, I was just like, nobody wants to admit to anything resembling that. I gave him a lot of credit, but I also loved that after all that talk about self uh, love and taking care of yourself, his number one, his number one final advice was to ask for help. That was his number one final advice that he gave us. And I loved when he said, um, um, our ego is not our, our amigo. I just thought, which was very cute. Um, it, you know, it's just, a, it, it, there was this dual thing and realizing both had equal validity. You had to have this incredible care of self at the same token. It was like utterly and completely important to, to him to be so dedicated to his, to the people in his life. And I, I just think that's a great thing. I mean, like nothing is going to be left on the back burner. Everything is going to be given all the energy that you could throw into it. My other last line, going back to Michael, I just love that when he, my, one of my lines, uh, lines that I underlined on my notes was when Michael said, you don't have to believe your own thoughts, which I love. I thought that was a deep one. Neil, I bet, I bet that thoughts come to you before. What does that phrase mean to you? You don't have to believe your own thoughts. <laughs> I see it as just to go back to the self-care. I, you know, I see exercise and other things like that as sort of just required maintenance for humans. Yes. And it reminds me of like my time in the radiation industry where you have something that's radioactive, that's emitting ionizing radiation. And really what it is, it's you have an atom that's out of balance. It's unstable. And what it's doing is it's, shutting off excess energy in order to reach a stable state. And I find a lot of truth in that when I think about just human behavior in general, you know, and I think, you know, when you have, a, I mean, I have all kinds of crazy thoughts all the time. <laughs> They're usually about fear or what's the future like, or, you know, Oh my God, this, you know, there's looming doom just around the corner. Um, but you have to take a step back and really kind of recognize that that's just sort of your mind 
processing itself. And this is just sort of some of the shit that's coming out. Like, you know, you're, you're, I guess, uh, putting something on a lathe, right. And you're grinding away material and all those thoughts are the metal shavings that are on the floor. And you got to keep your mind focused on, you know, what the end product is, what your goal is. So it takes a lot of practice. It takes a pretty strong will to be able to sort of recognize that when your thoughts are, I guess, how would I say this? I guess when your mind's trying to fool you, you know, when your insecurities and your deep fears are really sort of rising to the surface and you have to be able to filter through that and just sort of kind of do some basic problem solving and identifying and say, okay, well, that's not relevant. This might be relevant. That definitely one is. And then you try to make sense of it. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Do you have that person that you call and go, I'm having some crazy ass thoughts and uh, I, I need to just work this, through this. Do you have like a person like that in your life? Or is that just your, the gal that you live with? Or you, is that what you guys do for each other? Uh, I'll do that with, with my partner, Ulrika. Uh I tend to not verbalize a lot of my thought process if it's something that's pretty heavy like that. Whereas she will, and you, you know, that's just part of the contract of a relationship is you got to be there for each other emotionally, physically, etc. Um, I tend to do that more if I'm unsure about something I want to do in general with the shop. It could be any number of things. You know, should we call something this? Uh, should we do this product as a release, something like that, you know, like how's it going to play out and really kind of get down to brass tacks. I was just thinking, I mean, a lot of the language of that is, is uh, in the mindfulness side of things. It comes up a lot of meditation. The idea that our first thoughts are just, they're just physical processes in a way that are passing through our brains. And they're, they're part of what you're experiencing as, as a person. And, and, and it's very hard. It's hard to allow them to be seen as sort of the passing clouds that you have to sort of let dr drift on by. And, and, uh, but that, that's, you know, once again, it goes back to habits. That's what mindfulness is. And that's what, and you know, things like meditation or dedication to a sport, all the, I mean, that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to, the more positive habit you have, the less negative behavior you're going to have. It's just, you know, it, there's only, it's one replace, uh, uh, kind of forces out the other. Um, I'm going to go back and look, take one last look. This is a pleasant, this was the more pleasant one from the article that I liked. Um, I'm a big, uh, this is Laurie Santos again. I'm a big fan of surprise presents. Uh, everyone knows that they're going to get presents on their birthday, but people don't expect a random tiny gift and a gratitude letter out of the blue. Uh, it's easy to underestimate how powerful that can be to our relationships and how nice that is to get. So as soon as this podcast taping's over, I want you to send someone a note and tell them, you know, you're pretty beautiful. Did I tell you that lately? Anyway, I love that. That's a good, simple bit of advice. That's one of my life secrets with relationships. Flowers for no reason with your partner. It, I'm amazed at how much I get out of it for honestly pretty minimal effort. <laughs> we talking floral shop, uh, floral shop flowers or bodega flowers, or do you go pick them in a field? Honestly, it doesn't matter. Cause <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily quite about the flowers. It's about the intent of the gesture, but, but also today I was actually planning to send a surprise gift to a, a colleague 
Uh, there's a brand we work with and they did a pretty big favor for me just in terms of offering some technical advice about a giant headache we've been having. And he, you know, he didn't have to do it. He definitely went out of his way to do it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do something nice for him. So I called someone else who knows him really well and was like, does he like candy? Because I can get some Japanese candy. Turns out he likes gummy candy, which I also do too. So I'm going to put together a pretty sweet gummy candy box and send it up to him. As, as soon as this podcast taping is over, I'm going to hit the gummies too. Nice. Um, wow. I love that, Neil. It doesn't surprise me that you, I love the random flowers and I think 1-800-Flowers would, would make a swell sponsor for this episode. So I'm going to have to, uh, we're going to have to dig. <laughs> I do, my mom, my mother, every Mother's Day, I get her 1-800-Flowers <laughs> and sees candy chocolates and it's, all I got to do and call her once a week. My mom, God bless her. She ladled on the guilt. I was like showered with guilt. It's like, if I forgot Mother's Day flowers, I was toast. She, she I don't ask you to do anything. Just some flowers for Mother's Day. Like, it was like, I swear to God, five <laughs> years after she died, I woke up in a cold sweat on Mother's Day. Like, I didn't send the fucking flowers. There's a good habit you built. (laughs) It was a good habit. My my mom had a great habit of guilt-inducing. It still lasts eight years (laughs) after my beloved mom is is no longer here. Um, Anyway, it's 9 o'clock. I'm assuming you guys um, have other things to do. But I want to do something, our little gift of gratitude. Uh, I'm going to... um, tell you about a DM that I got from somebody. Somebody wrote me a note from Sweden um, and just said, um, I love your show. I enjoy the show, but um, you know, it's not a good idea because men aren't good at uh, vulnerability to not talk to more women uh, because women are better at it, which is interesting because our very next show is two women are coming on our show, Tara Miller and uh and beth young and and uh, they really challenge the idea that women are any better at vulnerability they're that's so we're gonna you're gonna have to tune in for that one but anyway that's not the key point the key point is that he, as we were sharing things he shared with me that he's working from home he's at home now because his son uh has a uh, developmental issue I don't want to go into too much detail because that's his personal, uh, his personal business, but that he himself probably had this, a similar d- development, uh, mental issue that was going on in his life and, and, and mental health issue. Um, uh, long story short is that he really unloaded quite a lot of like very vulnerable expression to be about being in a lot of pain. And I just, wow, let me tell you, I, I, read this a couple of times. I was like, wow, I am a fairly, you know, he doesn't know me at all. And he's sharing some very intense things. And I was a little nervous because I'm not a professional. And I'm, I'm, you know, my first advice was, you know, get professional help. If you're really feeling overwhelmed by, you know, he was the, the phrases that he was using were, were, you know, there were tough phrases about how, how badly he felt about himself and being at home and, you know, be feeling trapped. He kept saying over and over again. Um, anyway, uh, all I've been able to do is just, you know, encourage him and just say, we've all been there. All of us have things. You are not alone to be, you know, there are plenty of people who have kids that they're really concerned about. There are plenty of people facing job issues, working from home. I said, COVID is probably messing with your head. 
the, what we're dealing with. There's so many things and you're not alone. So don't feel shame. The last thing that you feel should feel is shame. But um, I mean, besides, you know, Chris, earlier you said just making yourself available to people is a, is a good, is good for the person and good for you. And that's what I've been doing. I've been uh, dropping him a daily sort of, Hey dude, just want you to know, thinking of you, I hope you're okay. And I've been getting back at a little hard or, you know, whatever. Just, I'm just wondering if you guys have any, um, uh, any go-to behavior comments when you're, someone comes to you with something that's a little overwhelming that you don't feel like you could actually help with the specific problem that they're having how you manage that difficult position of, of wanting to be supportive, but not quite knowing really how, how to really give advice for someone who seems to be going through a really, really hard time. I, th I think being honest about that position that you find yourself in and saying, you know, um, you know, I'm here for you. I got you. Um, I may have no idea what to do to help, you know, I think we oftentimes put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have answers to help people when they reach out to us and, and being okay with saying, um, I want to help you find the help that you need. I don't know if that's going to be me or if that's something we can find together, you know, and just being honest about that is really important, both for the person who's reaching out to you and for yourself. So you're not putting all that pressure on yourself. I think that's really good. Really good, Chris. Excellent. Excellent advice. It might be John Gottman that talks about it, but there's a number of writers and, you know, psychologists and whatnot that talk about it too. And it's a natural inclination for men in general to be the fixer and to solve the problem. And, uh, the the bottom line is we don't necessarily have the answer. And sometimes the, the answer is you just need to lend an ear and just to sit there and, and listen and ask appropriately probing questions maybe. Um, and just let the know, let the person know, Hey man, you are working really hard. You're doing a lot of things and you're surviving, which means you're doing a great job. And, and that's as much as you can do. And it, it's just a season of life where maybe you feel like the most you can do is just survive. But as long as you keep doing what you're doing, you will survive and you'll come out on the other end better and stronger and in a more positive place. And you'll look back on this experience um, feeling like you accomplished something and you will definitely be a better individual because of it. And, and that's the most you can take from any, you know, a hardship in life is just accepting that, you know, what it is, 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 is what it is and in getting through it. And there might not be an answer for it besides weathering the storm and um, talking to people openly about it and openly about what they're going through. And maybe Albert, you're the only person that he has to talk to about it. But as long as he can vent to somebody, he'll be okay and he'll get through it and he'll come out better on the other end. That was great, Evan, by the way. That was really, really great advice. And I'm going to go yeah. back and play that one next time. Next time the podcast is done, I'm gonna, I want to hear that one again. Neil? I think Evan made a very good point about 
resisting the urge to be the fixer of a problem, especially if you're not equipped to be able to do it. And it is a natural tendency, I think, for men to try to do that. And a lot of times trying to fix or solve the problem for someone else can actually make it worse. And what I find myself doing is giving a lot of recognition and validation to the person who I'm speaking with, uh, reminding them that, you know, you're not alone in whatever you're feeling. There are other people who are going through it. Uh, everyone has their struggles. Um, and just to try to, I guess, if I get the sense that they're comparing themselves to people that they think who might have a better, to try to dissuade that behavior. Cause that never gets you anywhere. The grass is always greener. Um, but just to just even just some ba- basic listening and giving someone recognition and validation for their feelings um, can go a long way because a lot of times they're coming from a place of a lot of self-doubt um, about everything, about what they're feeling, about where they are in life, about personality, whether or not they think there are things that they can change. And reminding them that there's support groups that are you know, professional or non-professional. You know, one of the things I learned early on about Reddit for the complex place that it is, that's largely a cesspool of the internet, is that um, it was one of the first places on the internet where a forum for parents with autistic children could go and talk with each other. And a really strong community was built around that. And it made massive differences in a lot of people's lives. And just the power of sort of seeking your people that are in the same, a similar position that you are, um, it can be transformative. Absolutely. I think transformative is one of the, the biggest words to have out of this conversation because it, like we, we all just said, we can't fix everything. And, um, you know, kind of what Evan was starting saying is, uh, you know, focus on the feelings rather than the fix. And after, you know, I don't know how many years I've worked, you know, in, in customer service jobs, you know, customer facing jobs, there's all like, you know, little tips and tricks. And, um, one that I actually have kept in my notes, um, is kind of about how to, you know, react to someone who, you know, is coming at you with a certain way. So, um, if someone's coming with, you know, a, a comfortable, easygoing tone, give them gratitude, thank them for sharing because it's hard to share that stuff. It is really hard to share it. If someone's really angry, validate them, tell them that, yeah, you have the right to be angry. Like what Neil was saying, um, cause validation goes a long way, especially when you're, um, upset. Someone's really indecisive, like going back and forth about a decision. We all ruminate about that stuff. But offering a little bit of clarity, you know, um, that that might be a time for a, a suggestion, a piece of advice, or potentially a fix. But being able to, to work in in there um, by just lending an ear and just offering to listen. Um, and I think we all know the Maya Angelou quote: um, "You know, people forget you know what you said, people forget what you did, um, but people will never forget how you make them feel." So at the end of the day, it's all about how you feel because. Um, no one will ever say the right words. It's never going to be, you know, I'm going to say these eight words and you're going to, you know, magically change your life around. It's going to be, 
I was able to talk to to someone and really just be heard and listened to. And I think that's the transformative experience that we're all going for. And the more we're willing to, you know, dive into that transformative experience with listening and, you know, appropriate reaction and appropriate questions, the more vulnerability we're going to be able to share and the more we're going to be able to heal ultimately. Um, so just being able to, to take that experience from pain into healing is what we need to do. So um, I really hope whoever this person is that they're hearing it and, you know, I feel trapped. I feel it. I'm feeling it. It's coming down hard on all of us, you know? Um, yeah, I feel the same way and I've, I've had really great days. I've had really bad days, but you know what? Some days just survives. And sometimes I just need to talk to my wife and ask for a hug and, you know, just say, Hey, just hang out with me for 10 minutes, you know? Um, so I, I really think, um, wh whoever's having this is just, just know that you're not alone and know that other people are feeling that way too. And if you need someone to talk with, just talk, just reach out at the end of the Michael Turner episode, ask for help. Well, I think that's a really great way to end our episode. I mean, I could talk to you guys. You guys are totally, every time we start talking, I'm like, what's going to happen? And every time it's over, I'm like, wow, this is so much fun and so rewarding to just take a moment, stop, no matter what's happened and how crazy we've been all week and talk to each other. So I'm very, very grateful to you, Adam, for always being there week after week. This is now what episodes forty something. Like we're we're there. Um, but wow, uh, getting to know getting to know these guys better. You all three of you tonight, man, just you were awesome. Uh, we're going to dedicate this show to our friend in Sweden. I won't say his name, but we're dedicating it to you. Okay, and uh, ever in the future, you want to come on the show and talk to your friends. We're here for you. Uh, anybody else want to say anything before we sign off and uh, say our names on the way out? I mean, it's uh, Chris's episode. He's uh, he's in the panel, so let's uh, let's let him wrap it up. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Chris. Well, <laughs> this has been a bunch of fun um, to get a chance to to touch base with you guys a little deeper, um, and um, I've really enjoyed having the time to not just process the content from the episodes on my own, but to be able to dig into it with you guys has been a lot of fun. Very cool, man. Well, Hey, we really appreciate this suggestion. I think it's great. We're having a lot of fun with it. So, um, please, Chris, you know, thank you. Anyone else who's listening, if you have ideas for the show, this is a show for you. We, we had no agenda going into this and <laughs> we, we just want to have fun. So we're here to, to make it for everyone here. So as I mentioned, we're going to have a show in two, our, our next show with, uh, it's going to be with Tara. Miller, uh, who's uh, married to Charles Miller. They make denim together. They serve in the U.S. Armed Forces together. They are just an incredibly powerful, beautiful couple. They just celebrated their sixth anniversary. Um, and Tara joins us and, uh, and Beth Young, who is a, um, a, a jewelry maker and a really remarkable gal from South Dakota. Please tell me I'm right. Um, anyway, they'll be next on our show and we're going to be doing more roundtables and we're going to hopefully have a special episode with our friend Mike Gloria and his wife Lizzie are going to come uh, for Halloween and do a show, help us shape a show on scary relationship moments. Yeah. Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> 
I was you said Halloween and I thought of my son in his Pikachu uh, so, outfit. So yeah, I was just like, yeah. People have scary relationship moments that you want to put forward for the show. Uh, I don't know. We haven't we haven't figured out all the details, but it's coming up. Anyway, thank you so much. I'll Adam, I'll let you work the magic to Well, this has been another episode of the Veer, Vulnerabilis Veer Podcast. I'm Adam Glinsky. I'm Albert Imperato. I'm Neil Beerett. I'm Chris Reese. And I'm Evan Blanchon. Thank you for listening.